Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. summertime great so welcome i'm rachel and this is david and we are so excited that y'all are here today yeah so um steve's with us today yes and i'm excited because we're going through the book of james this summer we're taking a break from the jesus storybook bible for the Mm -hmm. summer and james is a highly helpful book yes and so the question today is um very interesting um i'm curious what you think why can't everyone be just like me you want to be like me don't you no, I want you to be like me. <laughs> exactly. We would, you know, mesh so well. <laughs> I know. So anyway, it's a fun topic to explore. You're going to enjoy the teaching. It's going to be challenging too. Yeah. And so with summertime, we love just have, you know, like always have a fun little question. So here's our question today. What is your dream vacation? Hmm, I'm dreaming. It's a good one. I'm it's dreaming. a good one. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back in a second. time a uh, what dream vacation okay i've been thinking about this okay. and i said france earlier you did i think i don't know um italy maybe is are there beaches are in you italy? copying me now yes italy's are surrounded I, by I, so are much there beaches of food. in france I, yeah i'm obviously not very yeah. i'm normally work really? on your what do you know you're oh my goodness i don't want to go there it's actually very pretty now. what about you yeah um anywhere in europe or anywhere that's not georgia you that's know? not very Warm. specific i love i love traveling anywhere in europe I love traveling. I just love to travel. I want to go to New Zealand. I want to go all across Europe, like all of it. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, today we are really excited for what's going to go on because one thing we would love to do all this summer is really highlight our 12 Stone Home Host. Because we love our 12 Stone Home Host. And simply what they do is they simply love their neighbors. They love Jesus, love their neighbors. Yeah, let me tell you about Will and Emily. They're in Brunswick, Maryland, and that's just outside of dc area and they have all these houses what i love about them is they um obsess is probably the wrong word but i'm going to use it they obsess about blessing their neighbors and so they moved to this community did not know anybody and right now they're meeting so many new people and they're getting to know their neighbors and their neighbors are actually becoming their friends so they uh, obsess about that they get to know them they enjoy their neighbors and then they worship weekly Mm -hmm. and today we're actually doing communion right yeah so we are doing communion so Uh, And Will and Emily are going to be doing that as well. So one thing you can do is you can go ahead and grab whatever you have laying around the house, some bread, some crackers, maybe some chips, whatever you have, some type of juice, and go ahead and get those elements because we are going to continue in worship during uh, the music portion in a little bit, and we're going to celebrate communion. Yeah, so Will and Emily, hi. Uh, All of our Maryland friends, Bob and Courtney, um, shout out to you guys too. We love what you're doing in in your neighborhood. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we're about to pivot into worship, Mm -hmm. and um, we say this a lot, but it's so true. Worship 
it's more than just music. Music is an important way for us to express our worship, Absolutely. no doubt about that. And, and communion's a part of that as well. So as I've been thinking about communion, especially this opening song that we're doing, Angelie's gonna be leading us. Um, it's all about being brought from death to life. Yeah. And here is who Jesus is. Jesus has power over, over death. Mm-hmm. And um, he actually was the creator of the universe. He became the created. And so, or he took on human flesh like the created. And the reality is um, he has power over death and life. Just a couple of lyrics from here, um, from the, the, the song. I won't forget the moment I heard you call my name out of the grip of darkness into the light of grace. And then it says, just like Lazarus, you brought me back to life. And, um, and where there was dead religion, now there is living faith. All of my hope and freedom are found in Jesus' name. You brought me back to life. And here's what yeah. Jesus said. Jesus says, I am the re- resurrection and I am the life. So that means he has the power over physical death. Yeah. He brings people physically back to life, but spiritually, which is almost, it's a greater miracle, quite frankly. So we just pray for us. And um, as we prepare for worship, it's gonna be a great day. Yeah, God, so we thank you. Uh, we thank you that you you do bring us back to life. No matter where we are, you have so much greater for us when we trust in you. So we just ask that you'll be with us during worship. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Hey, have a great time. Well, hey, everybody, welcome. Wherever you are, you can stand to your feet. Get ready to worship with us. Just like David and Rachel were just saying, we get to worship from victory today. We get to worship with confidence today because we have been covered by the blood of Jesus. And as believers, we stand in that confidence today that we have life in Him, that we've been healed in Him, restored in Him. So we're gonna sing this together. We're gonna lift this in faith. Sing this. No longer I live, but Christ in me, for I've been Sing and remember. I won't forget the moment I heard you call my name out of the grip of darkness into the light of grace. Just like Lazarus, you brought me, oh, you brought me back to life. And where there was dead, we And just like last, come on, declare it. Oh, you brought me back to life. So sing that chorus of confidence. No longer.
you've done for me. Jesus, you fully praise you. It would take all eternity. And just like Eliza, he was. Hallelujah. 
to jump into a time of communion. And so you can go ahead and grab your communion element, some type of juice yep. and a cracker, bread, whatever you have right yep. there. Yeah, sometimes it's chaotic in your house <laughs> and that, that's okay. Yeah. Um, what matters is we're about to give the presence of Jesus our great attention. So I've been thinking about that line, um, God, blood and tears. There's a God who weeps. There's a yeah. God who who bleeds. Mm -hmm. And so the reality is when I think about Jesus, he's the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, yet he took on the form of the creation of himself. And he yeah. basically, he, he lived, he lived a life that we couldn't live on. On this particular night in his life, he did what every human does at dinner. They go and they eat. But this, yeah. this meal was, this dinner was special. This supper was special for, for centuries. Jewish people had remembered God's salvation from Egypt. And they were looking forward to a savior who would come to save them from their sins. Yeah. And on this particular night, he turned everything around. Mm -hmm. He basically said that the lamb that you've been using as a symbol is myself. Yeah. And so we, as the church, we, we every, uh, once a month here at 12 Stone, we, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. Now, let me encourage yeah. you, if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, um, let me encourage you not to participate mm -hmm. um, in communion today, but actually lean in and experience the grace of God that, that is in these elements. So, um, yeah. hey, so go ahead and grab your, your bread and break it. And Rachel, will you read um, from 1 Corinthians? Yeah, absolutely. We'll just walk through this. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus, we remember that your body was broken. We thank you. And Father, as we um, remember, God, I pray that you would give us the grace that we need to grow in our faith. Um, we're just so thankful for your sacrifice. So if you would, go ahead and grab your juice. And this is what Jesus said, or says about Jesus. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice you made on the cross. You sacrificed to bring us back to life so we could know you, so we could spend eternity with you. And Jesus, we thank you 
we thank you for the sacrifice you took for us. Amen. So as we continue to worship, um, what a great time. And here's yeah. the, the beautiful thing about Jesus. His presence, we were talking about this earlier, his presence is available for you all the time. And we love these kind of special times of worship. We can lean in yeah. and focus and just kind of remember on that that night with his closest friends. Um, he actually changed, changed history. Yeah. So let me pray for us as we continue to worship. So Father, thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who, who when he said, let there be light, there are literally zillions of stars. Um, thank you that he took on flesh on our behalf and that he willingly and joyfully laid down his life.
So God, we stand in the truth of your love today. We know no greater love than yours, that you would lay down your life for your children, for your church. So God, we cling to the truth of the gospel. We cling to the power of the gospel and the power of the resurrection. And God, we thank you for your love. We love you. And in the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. Church, as always, it's great worshiping with you. And this summer is going to be an amazing time for our church. And we're stepping into a new season. And I'm going to let our founding senior pastor, Kevin Myers, tell you a little bit more. So check out this video. Hey, 12 Stone, good to see you. Marsh, we got this working? Marsh's camera lady today. We're outdoors. You're going to hear the birds. It's going to be a little messy. That is real life. In fact, where we're going next in the book of James is all about real life. Hey, we finished up 20 weeks in the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's been fantastic. But if you're thinking, man, we need a break, well, we're having one. Summer break, June, July, in the book of James. One of the most spiritually practical, powerful books in the Bible. I love this book. You're going to love it. On the other hand, if you're thinking, well, we need to finish. I don't want to miss out on the New Testament, the whole rest of the Jesus Storybook Bible. Good news for you. We pick that back up in August and we'll walk right through it. It's going to be great. So now we're jumping in to the book of James, which is really all about uh, how, how you maintain the basics because the well you're seeing my dirt bike here the best ride in life is learning the basics and learning the right skills josh my now 34 year old had his birthday and said dad let's go ride again i mean we rode since he was 11 years old and this is the bike i i hope you're looking at it and thinking man that looks fine because it does look fine this bike is a 2003. I've been refurbishing the plastic. I sanded this baby down, put on a new, but not only making it look good, it has to ride good. It's the places you can't see. It's the practical stuff. Like I had to put on a new carburetor. Mm. Change the oil. Air up the tires. Actually, I had to do a lot of basic maintenance in order for this thing to run well. That's true spiritually in your life. That's where we're going to go. And then you need the skills in life, like the skills on this thing. How do you corner? How do you climb? Last time Josh and I rode, I had the accident. You might remember that story. Come flying 45, 50 miles an hour. He was in front of me over the rise, slid, flip, whatever. All good, all fun, not really. Fractured my hand, took a while to get over that. Well, we're jumping back in. Well, let's go have some fun together for his birthday. Well, we're going to have fun together in this series. James is talking about how do you maintain the basics of life that really make it work and what skills do you need? It's not just about what you know, it's what you can do. So Pastor Steve is going to launch the series. I'm jumping back in the two weeks after. Steve, come bring us the book of James. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, Bruce. So just like uh, PK talked about, we're going to get real practical today. So the question that we have for today is a really practical one, and it's also kind of fun. The question is, uh, why can't everyone be more like me? I think we're going to get it up on the screen for you. Why can't everyone be more like me? 
Have you ever asked this question before? Um, maybe, uh, you know, you're looking at him and you're like, why can't he think more like me? Why can't she act more like me? Why can't they be more like me? Life would just be easier if everyone was more like me. Things would go better in life if everyone was more like me. Um, maybe at work you felt this way about someone that you have to work with day in and day out. Maybe you felt this way about some people in your, in your neighborhood, like especially those on the HOA. You're like, why can't they be more like me? Why can't they just chill out? Why can't everyone be more like me? I remember asking this question for the first time right after I graduated uh, from college. Uh, see, I went to the University of Georgia. Go dogs. Yeah. Thank you, national champs, no big deal. Uh, actually, a very big deal. Anyways, so I went to UGA, and the beauty of UGA is it's a really big school. So if you, um, it's like thousands, tens of thousands of people that are on campus, so if you wanna find people that are just like you, you'll find dozens of them. And that's exactly what I did. All my friends in college were just like me. They were the same age as me. They had the same interests as me. We listened to the same music together. Like we all liked Reliant K and Emory and Dashboard Confessionals. And none of you, one person knows who that is, but all my friends knew who those people were. And we would go see them in concert. It was incredible. We all worked at the same Christian camp up in, up in North Carolina. And we all um, painted our chests for the UGA games. Have you seen, have you seen those people? This was uh, this is a picture of me and some of my buddies from back in college. We, we were featured in a magazine called Dog Time, so I'm kind of a big deal, okay? So that's me. Look at that. I know. You didn't think you'd get to see your pastor shirtless today, did you? Yeah. So we can take that off the screen. So all my friends, they were just like me. It was just, it was me and a bunch of me's. It was great. Until, uh, until I graduated and got my first big boy job. And then everything changed. No one was like me. Like, I, I, um, I worked with a guy in his 60s, an empty nester from Spokane, Washington. Shout out to 12 Stone Home. Um, I worked with a woman in her 40s from France who loved her family. I worked with a single guy in his 30s who loved playing golf. I worked with a, with a woman in her 50s whose boyfriend loved making deer jerky. And then my boss was in his 50s, and he absolutely loved Georgia Tech. No one, yeah, you too. No one, no one was like me. And so I started to, you know, ask this question, well, why can't everyone be more like me like this? Oh my gosh, my job would be so much easier if everyone was more like me, if they just thought like me, if they just acted like me, if they shared my same interests. Like no one I was working with was gonna go shirtless painted up to the UGA game, you know? No one was like me. Why can't everyone be more like me? Now, um, this question is a really innocent question when you, when you ask it on your first day of a new job, or it's a pretty innocent question when you ask it, you know, maybe going back to school, or it's an innocent question when you, when you move somewhere new. But this question begins to get dangerous when we ask it over and over and over and over again, when it becomes a way of life for us. And if we were to be honest, that's kind of the way culture is now. We keep asking this question, why can't everyone else just be more like me? Like when I started to ask this question, this was back in 2007. This was, uh, this was before everyone had Twitter. This was before Facebook had an algorithm. Um, this was before Instagram was even invented. And so nowadays, it's so much different with the, with the rise of social media, with politicized news networks, with the craziness of the past 
two years. We ask this question all the time. You know there's even a button on Facebook that says, show me less posts like this? Isn't that crazy? Like, can you imagine me at my first job? I'm like, Melanie, that's great that your boyfriend loves making deer jerky, but show me less conversations like this. Bye, right? That wouldn't work. But that's the way we live nowadays. We ask this question over and over and over again. It's become a way of life for us that we want to shelter ourselves from people that aren't like us and only surround ourselves with people that are just like us. And the more we ask this question, the more isolated we become. The more we ask this question, the more we lose friendships and fulfillment and perspective the more we lose opportunities for impact. In other words, the more we ask this question, the smaller our world becomes, the smaller our lives become, and we become more angry and judgmental and bitter at everyone around us. And so, so how do we get over this question? In other words, how do we live with other people that are not like us? And that's exactly where we're going today. In fact, that's exactly what James talks about. He gets so specific and he addresses this question head on. Now, before we talk about what James said, I want to talk about who James was. Because I love James. James is really fascinating. James was the brother of Jesus. See, after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph had a bunch of other kids. And one of those was James. And can you, can you just imagine for a second? Imagine being the brother of Jesus right? It's like Mary comes up to you and she's like, why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? And James is like, I don't know, because I'm not the son of God, Mary, you know, I'm sorry. But like seriously, James was actually embarrassed to be around Jesus. James was not a follower of Jesus. He was not one of the 12 disciples. He was embarrassed to be around Jesus, and I think you would be too. Like, because Jesus would say some pretty crazy things. One time, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And I can just imagine James being like, hey, Jesus, come here for a second. Uh, you used your outside voice again, okay? That was a little crazy when you said you and the Father are one. Like, can you imagine your brother claiming to be the Son of God and saying, hey, if you want to follow me, I want you to eat my flesh and drink my blood, right? If that was your brother, you'd be like, hey, bro, can we cut it on the vampire talk? Like, can we just chill out? James was embarrassed to be around Jesus until, until a few days after Jesus was crucified. And then something happened. Something happened that turned James from a skeptic to a believer, from I'm just a, you know, I'm just Jesus's brother to I'm going to follow Jesus, that he would start calling his own brother the son of God. Now, what would it take for your brother to convince you he was the son of God? Because I know my brothers, okay? It'd take more than a miracle. It might take something like a resurrection. And see, when James interacted with the resurrected Jesus, he was fully convinced my brother is the son of God. In fact, it even changed James' identity. I love the way James started his letter. Look at what he says. He says, James a servant of God and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. James doesn't say, oh, hey, I'm James, you know, the brother of Jesus. He says, no, I'm a servant of Jesus because Jesus isn't just my brother. He is my Lord. He is the son of God. And not only that, James would actually give his life 
He was one of the martyrs who died not for what he believed about Jesus, but for what he saw in the resurrected Jesus. And then James, skeptic turned believer. James, brother who said, my brother is, is, I'm a servant of him, starts talking about what we're talking about today. So here's what he says in James chapter two. He says, my brothers and sisters, he's talking to us, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. And favoritism is really the word for today. Um, the, the literal word means take face. It's a Greek word, means take face. Because we gravitate towards people that are like us and we're repelled by people that are not like us. In other words, when people share our facial features, we're actually, we, we, we kind of gravitate towards them. When they share our interests, we gravitate towards them. And James says, guys, that should not be true of us. Those of us that follow Jesus, we should not show favoritism. And then he gives an example. And before I show you the example, I just, we just need to admit, okay? This example um, is, is a little bit outdated, okay? Now give James a little bit of grace because he wrote it 2,000 years ago, okay? But for us, you're gonna see the example and go, that doesn't really relate to my life. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna work through his example and then we're gonna make it kind of modern day for us. Can we do that together? Okay, I'll assume your silence means yes. Okay, so here's... Here's what James said. James says, suppose a man, and this is his example, suppose a man comes into your meeting, like your church, okay, and he's wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and that, those words, literally, it means shining shirt. Imagine he comes in, he's wearing a shining shirt, okay, and a poor man in filthy old clothes, which literally means a dirty shirt, Okay, he also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the shining shirt, the fine clothes, and say, here's a good seat for you, but to the poor man wearing the dirty shirt, you say, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Okay, so again, his example that he gives is not really what we deal with on a, on a regular basis. In other words, you probably haven't walked into 12 Stone Home or a 12 Stone Campus and seen two people wearing these two shirts, right? A, a, a dirty shirt and a gaudy shining shirt, right? Like I've, I've been at 12 Stone for 10 years and I've never overheard someone say, hey, um, you there with the shining shirt, you come sit with me. Okay, that's just, again, that's not really our that's not really our world, okay? But, um, but maybe, maybe you've walked into, into a 12-stone campus and you've seen two people with these two shirts. <laughs> and isn't it funny? Something happens inside of us emotionally because for a lot of you in this room and maybe, maybe for some of you watching right now, there's a shirt that you gravitate towards and there's a shirt that you're repelled by. Like some of you are Georgia Tech fans and you, look at, you would look at the person wearing this shirt and you would go, ah, my people, someone who gets it, someone who understands that college is about education. Your <laughs> diploma matters. Does their diploma even count, you know? It's like, what on earth are they doing? Good for you, you can throw a little ball across the field, okay? We care about our future, thank you very much. Or maybe for some of you, you're like me and you gravitate towards the person wearing this shirt. And you'd see this shirt and you go, ah, my people, 
someone who understands that college is more than just the textbooks that you read, okay? It's okay to have a little bit of fun. I mean, after all, you don't want to take yourself so seriously like those people over there. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, you want another calculator, you know? <laughs> Again, it's not what I would say. It's what you would say, okay? But anyways, you gravitate towards one and you're repelled by the other. Or maybe for you, it's not these two shirts. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's these two shirts right here. You see a collared shirt and you see like a rock and roll t-shirt. And for some of you, you see the collared shirt and you go, ah, my people, someone who knows you're supposed to wear a collar to church, come on. It's like someone who knows how to dress. I bet they have a nice house. I bet they have a good job. I bet they drive a nice car. I, you know what? I bet we'd get along. I bet we'd have a good time. I bet they have a good family. Not like, not like this person over here, dressing sloppy. Come on. You're not supposed to wear that. Grow up. Get a job. You know, it's like, what are you even doing? And then some of you, maybe you gravitate towards this person in the rock and roll t-shirt, and you go, ah, oh, my people, Someone who doesn't take themselves so seriously. Someone who isn't all, you know, like stuffy and you got to wear a collared shirt. No, you don't. I mean, come on. These are my people. I bet they like to have a good time. I bet, I bet they like to rock and roll all night <laughs> and party every day. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, my people, you know. We gravitate towards one and we're repelled by the other. Or maybe for, for you, maybe it's these two. Um, says Dink, double income, no kid. And then, uh, and then it's a baby carrier with my wife's shirt. It says hashtag boy mom, because we have three boys. And maybe for some of you, maybe you're a dink, or maybe you're single, and you gravitate towards other single people or other dinks, and you're like, ah, oh, my people, I am so tired of all these parents posting hundreds of pictures of their kids. We get it. You're a mom. You're a dad. Calm down. You can picture, you know, pictures of other things, right? Or maybe you gravitate towards these people and you're like, ah, oh, my people, I am so tired of dinks talking about how tired they are. They know nothing about tired, you know? Whether you have your kids, you know, it's like we gravitate towards one, we're repelled by the other. Or maybe, maybe for some of you it's this, Boomer and Gen Z. And it's like, for some of us, it's like, Boomer, oh, my people, man, kids these days, they just don't get it. Yeah, there's a lot wrong with our world, and I don't know, I think, I think maybe they're to blame. Or maybe you're Gen Z, and you're like, my people, oh, my parents just don't get it. You know, there's a lot wrong with our world, and I think they're to blame. You know, they got us into this mess. We gravitate towards one. We're repelled by the other. What about these two? <laughs> Careful, Steve, right? <laughs> Democrat, Republican, we gravitate towards one. And we're repelled by the other. Some of you, you want to buy one of these shirts and you want to burn the other one. <laughs> right? Because we gravitate towards one and we're repelled by the other. And listen, there's a lot of other shirts that we could show. But, but you see what happens? Based on one thing, we judge the whole thing. 
And that's exactly what James is talking about. Look at what he says. He says, have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You see one Facebook post and you're like, ah, those people. You see one person wearing a different shirt than you and you're like, ah, those people. You say, show me less posts like this. Show me less people like this. Based on the shirt that they wear, you go, hey, you, you can sit with me, but you, you go stand over there. Based on one thing, you judge the whole thing. And what's interesting is where James goes next, because James doesn't say, so you know what needs to happen? We all just need to get along. Everyone in the world, we all got to just hold hands and sing kumbaya. James doesn't say that. <laughs> what he says in the next three verses is he says, what did you expect? This is the way the world works. Of course, you're going to group up with people that are like you. That's exactly what happens in the world. And they're the ones that are suing you. And they're the ones that are getting upset with you because you're not part of their tribe. Or maybe you're part of another tribe. Of course, this is the way the world works. James, in other words, James isn't saying this needs to be solved in our world. No, he said this needs to be solved in our church. Remember how we started the conversation? He said this, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, he's talking to us. Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. James is saying, y'all, this is the church. This message is for us. The church is the only place in the world where people with opposing viewpoints can still be together. The church is the only place in the world where you and I can disagree and we can still be friends. The church is for every race, every ethnicity, every political persuasion, every generation, every person, no matter who you are, where you come from, the church is for you. You belong here and we belong together. In other words, you want to know what the church is? The church is the laundry basket. The church is where people, no matter what shirt you're wearing, you belong here and we belong together. See, the church, the church is where people, nothing like each other, choose to sit together. That's what the church is. The church is where people, nothing like each other, we choose to do this. We choose to sit together. Now, listen. This, this has never been easy. But over the past 10 years, this has become almost impossible. You notice that? Like there was a day where you and I could wear different shirts and we'd still get along, we'd still be friends. And I don't think the shirts have changed, but I think the way we wear them has changed. Like there was a day where you and I could have different shirts and laugh at each other, but now we die for our shirts. These shirts used to be secondary. Now they are our identity. We say, this is who I am. Not only that, but with the creation and maturity of social media, it's never been easier to be surrounded by people that are wearing your shirt. Oh, we're grouped up together with our shirts. You know, there are, <laughs> there are news networks that will reinforce your shirt. They'll show you a bunch of other people wearing your shirt, which makes you think, well, everyone should be like me. You know, social media algorithms are designed in such a way that you just see a bunch of other people that are wearing your shirt. 
So you go, well, everyone should be wearing my shirt. I mean, after all, everyone that I'm seeing is wearing it. In today's culture, it is so easy. It's so easy to be surrounded by me. It's never been easier. Because everywhere I look, I see a bunch of me's. And everywhere you look, you see a bunch of you's. It's never been easier. It's easy to be surrounded by me. Which means it's never been harder to sit with people that are nothing like us. It's never been more difficult. Because we're so used to grouping up with people that are wearing our shirt. And so what we do is we judge people and other shirts and we make them the enemy. It's them over there. It's they. They are what's wrong. Not us. Not people wearing my shirt. And a lot of times this happens without us even noticing it. This, this is part of the reason that I got off social media. There's a lot of reasons actually, but this is one of them. It's because what was happening is I'd be scrolling through Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and, um, and every now and then the algorithm would let one through, you know, and I'd see someone wearing a different shirt than me, and the tape would begin to play. I'd have a dialogue with myself, and it sounded something like this. Maybe this is familiar for you, but I would see it, and I would go, ugh, of course they would post that. <laughs> of course they would think that. Typical. That's just like them. You know, this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong with the world. They are what's wrong. If there were just less people like this, thinking this, acting this way, if they just wouldn't make such a big deal about it, we wouldn't be in this mess. It's them. Come on. They need to get their act together. And then I began to realize something. They, you know, the enemy... They, the one wearing a different shirt than me. I began to realize who they was. Do you know who they is? For me, they is you. And it's you. And it's you. And do you know who they is for you? It's me. It's the person sitting three rows behind you. They is right here. This is a place for everyone, which means they, the person in your mind that you're making the enemy, is sitting right beside you. It's never been harder to actually get along with people that are nothing like us because it's so easy to be surrounded by me. And so James is saying, come on, listen, this is what the church is. The church is the laundry basket. The church is the place where people nothing like each other choose to sit together. But if you're like me, then we would just need to admit for a second, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at sitting with people that aren't like me. I tend to play the tape in my head and I make them the enemy. So how do we do this? Like how do we actually make our church like this? Because here's the good news. This is our church. Our church is a place for everyone. <laughs> so how do we do this? In other words, how do, we, how do we keep this laundry basket from becoming a dumpster fire, right? How do we actually make this happen. And that's where James goes next. He gets, he gets so practical and it's one verse, but it is so rich. It's so helpful for us. Here's what he says. He says, if you really want to do this, okay, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. He's saying, listen, if you want to know how to do this, 
how to be the laundry basket, how to be the place where people that look nothing like you choose to sit with you, you gotta keep the royal law. And listen, for James' original audience, the people that were originally reading this letter or maybe they were hearing it spoken out loud, um, as soon as they heard James say this, all the synapses started to fire and they began to remember like for many of them, they were, they were there when Jesus said this, when Jesus said the greatest commandment, the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor. And they started thinking about who Jesus was and what Jesus did and what they heard from Jesus. And all of a sudden, they understood immediately the richness of what James was saying. But for us, we need a little bit of help translating this because this is so rich, but we're 2,000 years from, uh, removed from when our king, Jesus, originally said this. So if we are going to choose to live together, to be together, to sit together, there's three things we need to do. We need to focus on who Jesus really is, because that's who said the royal law. He's the king. He's the one who made it the royal law. Focus on who Jesus really is. Focus on who you really are and who I really am, and then focus on who they really are. So first, we're going to focus on who Jesus really is. You know, every time we ask the question, um, why can't everyone be more like me? We're excluding people that are not like us. Which means whenever we ask this question, we're also excluding Jesus. Because <laughs> you know, Jesus is not like you and he's not like me. Jesus is God and you are not. Jesus is perfect and you are not. Jesus is not a boomer or Gen Z, but he loves boomers and he loves Gen Z. Jesus is not a Democrat or a Republican, but he loves Democrats and he loves Republicans. See, Jesus was able to look beyond the shirt that someone else was wearing. He didn't care about the shirt. He cared about the person. In other words, Jesus liked people that were nothing like him. When you study the life of Jesus, when you read the Gospels, you begin to discover Jesus liked people that were nothing like him. And you know this, right? The tax collectors and the sinners, the prostitutes and the fishermen, people wearing all sorts of different shirts, and Jesus loved them. And not only that, he loves you, and he loves me, and he doesn't care about the shirt that you're wearing. He cares about you. In other words, and this is what Paul said. He said it really plainly. He said, God does not show favoritism. God's not judging people based on the shirt that they wear. He's not putting people in different categories. He loves people that are wearing your shirt and he loves people that are wearing their shirt. Jesus was able to look beyond the shirts and see the person. And so if you and I are gonna do this, we gotta understand the foundation of the royal law is that Jesus modeled this perfectly. He liked people that were nothing like him. He loved people that were nothing like him. He died for people that were nothing like him. And then once we understand that, then we focus on who you really are and who I really am. Because Jesus said to love your neighbor as you love yourself and you can't love other people till you know who yourself actually is. And in the culture that we live in today, it's so easy to think that this is who I really am. These shirts, that's who I really am. It's almost like our culture is saying, you are what you wear. And have you noticed that sometimes with these shirts, we, we change shirts based on the group that we're in. 
You notice that? That like sometimes, because those people over there are wearing those shirts, we choose to wear those shirts so that we could associate with them. And I think part of the reason is because we are so desperate to be loved and accepted that we think, well, if I wear that shirt and that'll get me loved and accepted, then I'm just gonna put that shirt on so I can be with that group. And sometimes what happens is we actually change shirts to be accepted and loved by a different group of people, maybe a bigger group of people. And we're seeing this happen all the time with adults, with students, As fast as culture is moving, sometimes students feel like they got to change shirts every month so that they'll be accepted and loved by whatever is in right now. Whatever group will accept them and love them. And so they're desperate to find whatever shirt will get them accepted and loved. And listen, it's not just students, it's adults too. We change shirts in hopes that maybe someone somewhere in some group would love us and accept us. And aren't you tired of changing shirts? I mean, aren't you tired of having you defined by this, by the shirt that you wear? In a culture that says you are what you wear, God looks at you and says you are so much more than what you wear. Do you want to know who you actually are according to Scripture? You, not your shirt, you are made in the image of God. Your shirt was not made in the image of God, but you are. Not only that, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Not your shirt, you. Even more than that, you are so loved, so fully loved and fully known that the God of the universe has invited you to call him dad. No matter what shirt you're wearing, you've been invited into his family so that you and I can call him dad. And even more than that, you are so valuable. You know the value of something by the price someone is willing to pay for it. Well, your value is so great that the God of the universe was willing to pay the price of his own son to purchase you. That's how valuable you are. See, this shirt right here is $15. You, your value comes from the very blood of the Son of God. That's who you really are. In other words, you, you are so much more than your shirt. You are so much more than your shirt. God doesn't care about the shirt. He cares about you because you are so much more. I love what Paul says in Galatians. He says this, so in Christ Jesus, you are children of God. Remember, you've been adopted by God. He's your dad. Children of God through faith for all of you who are baptized with Christ. Look at this. You have clothed yourselves with Christ. That's who you are. You're not defined by this. You've clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. And then he just starts listing a bunch of shirts. He's like, this isn't who you are. Not Jew or Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. No, you are all one in Christ. You are so much more than your shirt. And then when you realize who who you are, then you focus on who they really are. And I'll go ahead and skip ahead because I think you know they are so much more than their shirt. You know they, the enemy. They, the one that you see on Facebook. They, the one that are, keep posting those things. They are so much more than their shirt. They are made in the image of God. Remember favoritism, the definition? 
or the word literally means take face. We gravitate towards people who share an image with us. Guess what? They share an image with you and it's not your image and it's not their image. It's the image of God. That's who they are. They are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. They are so loved and so known that the God of the universe has invited them to call God dad. You know what that makes y'all? That makes you brothers and sisters. That's who they are. They are so valuable that the God of the universe was willing to send his son for them. They share a value with you, no more, no less. They are so loved, so valued that Jesus was willing to give up his life for them. That's who they really are. I love what Jesus said. This is towards the end of his life here on earth. He said this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, because remember, Jesus saw past the shirt. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, and this is so huge, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And the reason that everyone will know is because this isn't the way the world works. The way the world works is we just team up with people that are wearing the same shirt as me. But Jesus says, no, 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 I'm giving you a new command. I want you to love people in a completely different shirt. And when you do that, the world will take notice. That's how they'll know that you're my disciples. I was talking to Jason this week. He told me a story of a small group that would meet at Chick-fil-A. And he said, uh, he said one day the manager came up to came up to him and said, what's the deal with that group? And we're like, what are you, what are you talking about? He's like, I don't understand this group. Because once a week, 7 a.m., they come into Chick-fil-A and it's the most random group of people. He says, you got a guy walking in with a three-piece suit, $3,000 three-piece suit, and he sits down. He's sitting down next to a 20-something who's like in a torn-up T-shirt getting ready to go to the gym, and they're sitting next to someone who's like a teacher, and they're sitting next to someone who's an empty nester, and they're all sitting together, and they're all laughing together, and they care for each other. And he's like, but they don't look anything like each other. How is that possible? Who does that? Because you got the guy in the three-piece suit that's given leadership advice to the young 20-something. And then you got, the, you got the empty nester giving advice to the guy in the three-piece suit saying, listen, go after leadership, but don't neglect your family. And then you got the teacher talking to the empty nester saying, hey, listen, um, you got to make sure you're caring about the next generation. They are our future. And they're edifying one another and they're challenging one another and they're loving one another and they are so different from one another, but they're sitting together. That's what the church is. That's, that's what our church is. It's the laundry basket. I mean, can you imagine if this is how we were known in our community? Can you imagine if people were like, I don't understand 12 stone? <laughs> because it's not like one type of church. It's like when I walk in, I see some people that are like me. And then I see some people that aren't like me. And there's a lot of people that aren't like each other that are sitting together and they're, and they're, and they're laughing. <laughs> and they're hanging out together. And it almost looks like they like each other. What's going on with that church? 
See, when we do this, it's, it's, a, it's a megaphone to a lost world. A megaphone to a world that says, no, you need to gravitate towards people that are like you. And the church would stand up and say, well, not here. No, here, <laughs> people that are nothing like each other, we choose to sit together. That's who the church is. And the good news is it can start right here with us. It's, 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 it's summer, which means you and I, we have a lot of time, which means we have time to actually hang out with our neighbors, hang out with some coworkers, you know, the people that like behind their back, you think things about, or you say things about the people wearing a different shirt than you. What if this summer you made a commitment? I'm going to, I'm going to find someone that I know wears a different shirt. Cause I've seen him post on Facebook. They're wearing a different shirt and I'm going to go up to them and I'm going to invite them for coffee. I'm going to invite them for lunch. Maybe I'm going to invite them over to my house and we're going to sit together. And we're going to look at each other and, and notice that we share the same image. And it's not our shirt. It's the image of God. You can do that. In fact, we're going to, we're going to do that today. See, campus pastors are going to step up and we're going to talk a little bit about what we're doing today. And for 12 Stone Home, listen, we know that community is baked into every worship gathering, but there's something special planned for you. There's going to be a neighborhood party where you get to go out into your neighborhood and say, hey, even if you aren't like me, you belong here and we belong together. And at the campuses, we've got something planned right now so that you can sit with people, can talk with people, can get to know people that are nothing like you so that we can be the church that Jesus talked about because the church is the place where people nothing like each other choose to sit together okay so I love this and, um, yeah, laundry baskets are also kind of dirty and smelly sometimes too. <laughs> so a difference, but also we're broken people. Yeah. And um, as, as Steve said, community is baked into 12 stone home gatherings. And so you do it so well, but even the encouragement to, to go further um, and do it even more, especially with neighborhood yeah. parties over the summer, you're gonna be hearing more about those. Hey, let me just, let me pray for us that God would just do that in our community. So God, we, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And, and we know that, that Gosh, unity in the, the body, there's not much that's more important to Jesus than that. And so God, I pray that you would deepen our communities in 12 Stone Home. I pray, Father, that we would see each other um, as brothers and sisters and we'd care for one another, encourage one another, reprove one another, uh, forgive one another, all the one another things. Father, I pray that we would have that kind of community, even if we're very different, young and old, whatever our ethnicity is, um, rich, poor, whatever, God, I, I pray that we would be one as you and the Father are one. So we love you. Make it so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So we'd love just for you to have a conversation in your gatherings. And today, what it's my we, favorite. I say this every week, but it's still my favorite time at 12 Stone Hall. <laughs> it really having is. Having a conversation. It, it is. I love it. Yeah. Um, so we'd love for you to talk about what what impacted you? What stuck out to you? What yeah. are you kind of processing through right now? Right, right. And if you're in a home gathering, just kind of ask the question, hey, how do we how do we grow in this? Yeah. As a community in this neighborhood, how Absolutely. do we grow in this where we begin to see people um, the way Jesus sees them with great dignity? That's yeah. a great conversation to have. Absolutely. Are we done? Uh, what you else? Know, uh, maybe some other ways we can worship too. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 
Like, yeah. oh, <laughs> I almost forgot. Yeah, so we, there's a lot of ways that we worship and singing, communion, all those things. Um, but we also give. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, to give to and through 12 Storm, you can text GIVE to 37748. And for us, that that it really is an act of worship. Absolutely. It's really the, one of the ways we worship. Hey, don't feel pressure to do that mm -hmm. at all. But if you want to participate in that, encourage you to do it. And uh, thank you for reminding me. Absolutely. That's yeah. what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> So y'all have an amazing conversation and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.